Happy New Year to you all. Uh, this is our first Sunday back, and I don't know about you, but the Huff household, all of us, including the littles, stayed up till midnight. I feel it's something to celebrate as a parent, because we're tired too, right? But we made it to midnight thanks to a three-hour nap for the littles. And, uh, and we stayed up late and had fun with friends, and we're still recovering, probably, right? This many days later, the kids are almost caught up on their sleep. And this is a special day at Open Life. This is our birthday. So happy birthday, Open Life. Uh, seven years uh, on the 10th, which is this week. Yeah, seven years. Open Life started seven years ago, and uh, so we have some cupcakes and stuff to celebrate afterwards, which will be kind of a uh, happy time, but on January 10th, 2010, we set out to launch a church that would have room for people who just never really felt like they would belong in a church, and uh, uh, crazy, ridiculous change in, in path in our life. We just felt this nudge from God to start this thing, and it was a big risk. We got some people together and said, hey, who wants to be in this thing with us? And a few families got together and said, yeah, let's do it. And we said, what should we call this? And, and kind of surveyed our lives. And my life verse is 1 Thessalonians 2.8 which says we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you've become so dear to us. We just love living that out, and we we're like, well, let's call ourselves Open Life. So the journey began. It was crazy, and we launched at the Regal Theater, went to some schools, ended up here, and uh, seven years later, a ton of the community has been impacted. Uh, thousands of people have come through our doors or been impacted by are serving in the community, and it's something to celebrate. I just, I'm so pumped, and Sumner today is celebrating four years. So it's like, uh, you know, we we have a crazy good time. The vision and mission gets clearer every year. It's kind of interesting. It hasn't changed, but we can articulate what we're about that much more pointedly every year. And uh, this year is no different We've really been challenged by God as a team looking at the, the clear thing that we're active in doing in the community and, and the term we're using for it is neighboring. And we're going to be looking at that actually, weaving it throughout the course of our entire year, neighboring. And it really builds right on Love Does from last year. So we're pretty pumped about that. But happy birthday, Open Life. Let's, let's jump in a little uh, for the next four weeks, we're going to be asking ourselves some questions. I know usually we like jump into a big idea and share some thoughts, but really this is both for the church and for us individually. Kind of, It's a question asking time. It's a great time the new year to just kind of do an inventory and say, well, where am I? Like, what is going on? And, and so we kind of looked at some important questions that dealt with are being a, a, a good neighbor, if you would, both in community, globally, and personally. And uh, so we get to do some soul searching, and we're going to do it through the lens of a passage in Scripture where ultimately it's a religious ruler that was approaching Jesus and trying to catch him in like a contradiction of the old school Scriptures. He was trying to trap Jesus so that he would have an excuse to arrest him. And so he asks him uh, a question from the, the old Torah Bible, which is the Jewish faith's Bible, right? 
and he asks him this question about like uh, a really smart question. He says, like, how do I fulfill the law? It's pretty open, right? And he wants to see if Jesus is going to say the right thing. Jesus is a master of asking questions back. So he's like, well, what do you say? So the guy says back, well, you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you love your neighbor as yourself. So he combined two different segments of the Old Testament Torah law to answer. And so Jesus said, that's right. Do this and you will live. And that's where we pick up the story in Luke 10, 29. The man, so the the smart man, right? The religious ruler said he wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus and who is my neighbor, right? Because he said, you love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Well, so then he wants clarity. He's like, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, Isn't that the way you have to, if you've ever seen Shrek, you have to say donkey. Donkey. Anyway, moving on. ADD. I didn't take my meds. I don't have them, but I should have taken them. Moving on. So the donkey, that's where we're at, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three, Jesus asks, Which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Quite the story, and it has way more depth to it that we'll unpack here than you or I get by just reading it. But... Jesus is all about showing mercy. And he kind of identifies the neighbor as the one who is, who is given mercy. You know, so there's mercy is handed out here. And not only are we looking at this segment today, but we will be looking at the challenges given in this segment of text for the next four weeks. And we'll weave it into the next year. In the fall, when we began to, to pray about, like, what does 2017 hold for open life? And And we put our heads together. We landed uh, on this Good Samaritan passage. And it's one that we started Open Life with, ultimately. uh, Because we did want to be about... We wanted to be the people that didn't pass by on the other side of the road. We wanted to live life open. We wanted open life moments, what we call them. Where we would be open and have margin to stop and help those who are in need. 
We would do crazy things like replace broken windows in you know, bikini barista shops and things like that to get started. That's how open life started. Sorry if that offended you, but we move on. Uh, we thought it was smart because Jesus didn't throw stones, and so it was an easy way saying open life won't throw stones either. Uh, but then we kind of realize in this passage, the world uses this term. Like everybody in the world uses the term Good Samaritan. It's, you can hear it all the time. Well, they were a good Samaritan. A person trying to be a good Samaritan. You know, they say it on the news as if we all know this story. So what a great thing to unpack in the lens of the challenge, which is to be a good neighbor, through the lens of a story everybody talks about. Because if we can articulate it, everybody will get it. So that's where we landed, really, to uh, talk about neighboring. We're passionate about it, and we think ultimately... We began to read this book called The Neighboring Church and, and another book called The Art of Neighboring and, and looked through it and said, wow, these really articulate what we've done for the last seven years and think it would be healthy for us to, to really reemphasize this uh, through some questions. So here we go. Uh, the opening question for this week is what does it mean to be a neighbor? We've got to answer that not only corporately but for ourselves. What is it? mean to be a neighbor the question again is from a religious ruler in this passage and it meant something very specific in their day and age in fact there was one nation in this area's history called israel that they had kind of like a a a national split and uh, the north side became Samaria, the Samaritans, and the south side became the, the Jews, and, and they didn't like each other. In fact, they publicly degraded one another. They were mean to one another, and they thought one was righteous before God and the other wasn't, and they like lost their favor with God. So there was this real bitter rivalry and hate. So when Jesus all of a sudden unpacks a story that involves a Jew and involves religious leaders of the Jewish people, and then the hero is a Samaritan? There were some angry people in in that very moment. It also, the word neighbor ultimately meant something very specific in their age. The term neighbor meant someone of my own faith. Not just the guy next door, but someone of my own belief. So Jewish People would have thought, well, my neighbor's a Jewish person. So the moment a Samaritan was the hero, and this religious ruler had to confess that the Samaritan was the hero, the neighbor, because he showed mercy, this cut to the heart. It's interesting to process through that lens. So we get to share this same question for ourselves today. Who's your neighbor? What does it mean to be a neighbor? And when we evaluate like our life and what we do as a church and individuals, what is it to be a neighbor? Do we walk and engage the need when we see it and look at it? Or do we cross to the other side of the road? As a church, we want to be a better neighbor. Year after year, right? We didn't launch this church seven years ago to try and be the best church in the community. We launched this church to try to be the best church for the community. We realized right from the get-go that the lens in which, in fact, we asked leaders of the city, you know, what is the church doing in this community? What impact is the church making? And a bunch of city leaders sat there in the room 
and couldn't think of one thing. They finally got to this moment where they said, oh, doesn't the church help out with like Boy Scouts and they like do the Pledge of Allegiance at this thing every year? And you're just like, seriously? Like that's all that the church is, you know, that's through their lens. That's all they knew of. Man, so we knew from the get-go, this church had to be a benefit to the community. Like, how could we benefit the city? How could we be totally outward driven? And uh, th- that, that was our drive. We love doing church with excellence, but it wasn't our drive to just be like the best church in the community and advertise in a way that made sense to church people so that we would be the next cool church for church people to attend. We didn't want to turn normal people into church people. We just love people. And we wanted to be about sharing the love of Jesus to everyone. And so that's kind of how we stirred this whole thing up. And uh, so we still have this drive, not to be the best church in the community, but to be the best church for the community. And it, it makes us think differently. You ask different questions, you get different results. And so our reputation has become this. It's really interesting. We've become like a resource to the community, a resourcing church, if you will. They view us as that. Um, It's that neighbor. I have this neighbor. I have a few of these neighbors in our neighborhood that has everything. You know when you're doing a project and you're just like, I need a really tall ladder so I can put a star and lights on top of my house. I own no such ladder. What neighbor could I call, right? Luckily for me, it's Chris right next door. So I ask, hey, Chris, can I borrow your, like, way too tall ladder to be safe on this earth? And so then I climb up the said unsafe ladder. Well, there's also the neighbor that has all the tools, right? You got those neighbors? Have you ever had to call those people? Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the neighbor open life has become to the community. It's really interesting when we kind of evaluate what's happened. You know, when the community thinks about school supplies and stuff, they do think about open life and what we've done at Sumner Middle School and Liberty Ridge Elementary School and providing them school supplies through SS Give. The community sees us leading Community Big Give and they think Thanksgiving meals, man, open life can bring the community together and all the agencies and organizations and raise the funding to centralize this through the school districts and, right? A resource. When the Bonnie Lake Police Department could no longer do the Bonnie Lake Giving Tree this last year, who did they reach out to to solve this crisis of a thousand kids that may not get presents? They called Open Life. Really interesting. And we got to partner together. That's a whole thing. We really haven't unpacked that story to you. We, you know, Open Life got to save Christmas behind the scenes. You just, we'll share that some other time. It was amazing. All the kids got presents. And the world was a happier place. Uh, So then, you know, also, the Sumner School District uh, and community leaders were brainstorming, like, what project they should do. Every year, there's this event called the Community Summit that involves all the student leaders from the Sumner School District and community leaders, mayors, and, and all these different people, nonprofits and profits. These companies come together, 400 and some people join together and, and focus on the needs of the community at this summit. And they were brainstorming, what's a project we could be about? What's, what have we been inspired by this last year? And you know what they said they were inspired by? Our foster care emphasis. And specifically, the Sweet Cases project that we did. And so they were like, what if we build Sweet Cases at the summit? That was really inspiring what Open Life did. And, we, we, and the moment they verbalized it, 
I knew last Easter we gave $5 a head for everybody in attendance plus generous gifts above that and we have money sitting there to invest in foster care. I said, hey, here's the deal. If you can raise $1,300, which pays for 50 sweet cases, Open Life will match those dollar for dollar and we'll do 100 sweet cases at the summit event. So they went, what? That's inspiration. And all these people are now giving towards this summit, which will, they'll build 100 sweet cases there. Inspired by you. Isn't that cool? I mean, you hear stories like that, and it's like this community is being inspired. By the way, that event is March 7th, and it's going to be totally amazing. That's what I would say. So 2017 arrives, right? And we want to still be this best church for the community. We're still driven by this. Like this awakens us, and we read in the text, like we want to be the Samaritan in this story. Even if the person on the other side of the street looks like they're not our people. Or maybe they're the ones that have hurled insults at us and hated us before. We get to help them and lift them up and care for them and be generous to them. As the Samaritan was. The ones showing mercy. We want to be more resourcing than ever before. And so we ask this questions of, of ourselves all the time. This is just a weird question, but it's really healthy. It's if we cease to exist tomorrow, would anyone miss us? <laughs> yeah, big, bigly, bigly. They'd miss us really bigly. Anyway, that's my best impersonation today so far. Better than the donkey. Uh, so we want to be a good neighbor. And we want to we wanna continue to be counted on. And if we say yes to something, even if it's a crazy idea, like remodeling a teacher's lounge... We'll be able to follow through with that idea because we have amazing people that can join together and make that idea happen. So we're all about being faithful when asked to do something and take something on and coming together and not passing by the need, but looking right at that need and engaging that need in any way possible that we can. But you still have to individually look at yourself and go, well, where do I fit in this process? So that's where we came up with these three questions today that we're going to focus on from our story, ultimately. And the first one is, are you a volunteer or a disciple? How does that have to do with the Good Samaritan story? Are you a volunteer or a disciple? Well, I'll catch you up here. Have you ever heard a speaker or read a book and there's just a question that's asked and it's just kind of that gut punch that knocks your wind out kind of it's that moment that just hits you kind of like earl thomas would if he was flying at you at the speed of a bullet right he'd bam bam cam you that point right there glad the seahawks won yes anyway um and thank you to the nfl if they're listening to this podcast online right now because you chose saturday games for seattle so we get to have church Amen. Okay, moving on. Uh, we, uh, when you look at this gut punch reality, it happens to us, right? Just something that makes sense. It's like this moment of the light turns on. Well, this fall, Brent, our campus pastor in Sumner, was handed a book recommendation called The Neighboring Church, and he began to read it. And there was a question in there that gut punched him. And it was this question right here. But through the lens of like a church, are you creating volunteers or disciples? So disciple is someone who, you know, is a person 
leading other people into a relationship with Jesus. It's our mission, right? We're people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Someone who has a growing relationship with Jesus is a disciple. So it's like, are we really creating disciples or are we creating volunteers that show up when there's need, they serve the need, but yet that relationship with Jesus still is not growing as strong as maybe it could. And uh, so we look at that, like that's our moment of looking in the mirror. As an individual, we need to look in the mirror. I mean, you could personalize this question, right? Are you a volunteer or a disciple of Jesus? Do we have a culture that leads people into a growing relationship with Jesus? And I think yes, but I also think we do have a tendency to be known as the volunteering church. You know, we said we're a resource, right? Well, oftentimes when people think of open life, they go, man, how do you get all those people out to volunteer events? And they're perplexed by it. They're just like trying to figure out, okay, wait, you turn away volunteers for Big Give? Yeah, because what do you do with more than 250 people uh, if they don't juggle? You know, something like entertainers or something. It's like you just there's, you do run out of things for people to do. In my mind, I'm like, what do you do when you have more than 250 people? You give food to another community. So we're trying to figure out how can we partner with the Wright River School District and, and uh, do a big give out there too. There, I just gave that away. That was free. Uh, so, but just like realizing, hey, we want to, you know, use this resource we have of people. But the community says, man, this is one of the largest volunteer events in Pierce County. Like, how do you do that? And then we'll turn up and do a, a teacher's lounge or we'll do the school supply give. And they see people and they're struggling to get more than like two people for anything in the community. And so when you're known for that volunteerism, but you still say, man, is that out of our relationship with Jesus that we volunteer? Or is it just out of volunteering that we volunteer? And this is where, like we talked about Open Life 101 and 201 and the announcement that comes at the end of February. But really, it'll help you figure this answer out. Because we have three practices ultimately at Open Life. We've, and we'll unpack this further at, at like 101 and 201 and, and what it means deeper. But, you know, we believe that we should connect with God and each other. We believe we should serve God and serve each other. And we believe we should share our lives with God and share our lives with others. And so if we're connecting, serving, and, and sharing in just the cyclical pattern in our life, we'll grow. But if, if we say, well, if you scored yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 with how you're doing it connecting with God, and you say you're a 1 today, and at the end of 2017 you're still a 1, then we haven't helped you become a growing disciple of Jesus. We want to help you grow. So I think that's where you as an individual have to say, man, how am I doing at connecting with God and each other? How am I doing at serving God and each other? And you through that lens can figure out if the gospel is working through you or if you're still just serving and getting the rewards of really the heart of God, but you haven't figured out that that should actually be your motivation as well. We used to say at the beginning of Open Life, we want our lives to be a gospel demonstration that demands an explanation. So we're going to serve people, and people are going to eventually ask, why in the world are you doing this? And it's not because we have to, it's because we get to. Loved people love people. And it just changes the way we operate. So we volunteer to serve to help people experience Jesus. Help them experience Jesus' mercy. 
Because he's full of more mercy than you and I could ever grasp. So if you haven't been to 101 or 201, join us. Sign up on the app or website. Uh, In fact, it's a new registration experience. You'll love it. It's intuitive. It'll creep you out. It's like, how does it know my email? <laughs> Connect cards. That's, there's a secret. But, uh, so grow your relationship with Jesus. Let's watch us move in this area of being a disciple, which leads us to volunteer, not just being volunteers. Question two. Who do you have room in your heart for this year that you didn't have room for last year? Man, that Samaritan volunteered himself. Nobody said, save this guy's life. He didn't know he was dying. He just saw the guy and engaged the need, right? So he stepped up as a volunteer and met that guy's need. But in the same way, he opened his heart to that guy, right? And part of becoming a disciple is making room for people. It's making room for additional people in your life. And it's a struggle in the world we live in because we have no margin, Like, there's no time left. There's no room relationally left. So we think. I've shared it before, but, you know, when we first had kids, we had identical twins. Like, two at once is overwhelming. I just got to admit, most days it's still overwhelming. Love you. But, you know, so it's like, you know, it's just like, wow, there's two. And sometimes they love each other. Most of the times they love each other. Sometimes. One of those. But, you know, option A or B. And then, but it's this, you know, I thought when they were, you know, you're cuddling two babies at the same time. It was amazing. And when Dana's like, I'm pregnant again. And I'm like, yay. I was worried for like months, you know, nine to ten or so, right? I was going, how am I going to love another kid as much as I love the two girls in my arms, right? Impossible. And then Jaden popped out. Wah! Right? And I'm like, baby, I love you. I love you. Wow, I love you. Right? And it was all of a sudden like, I did not think I had any more capacity within me to love a child, even my own child. But all of a sudden, it's like my heart grew. And then you know what happened? Again, I'm pregnant. Again, birth happens. I won't make any more sound effects because I know I'm going to hear about that later. Uh, And uh, so Preston shows up on the scene, and he's loud still, very loud. But he's crying and calms down. I just told that story not long ago, like a couple weeks ago. And I love him. Like, wow, again, I was a little concerned, but then my heart just went, so now I have this expectancy. I'm like, I know God can grow my heart. Like, if I am willing, he'll expand my capacity to love. He'll expand my relational capacity so that people's lives can be positively impacted by the gospel. That's crazy to consider. Because I think most of us, if we're challenged to love someone new this year, would go, well, there's imp- I don't have any more room. I just don't. I can't. I mean, I'm busy. Right? But what if you just say, okay, God, here's my life. He'll go, and he'll increase our capacity to love. 
It's, it's a miracle. I can't explain it. And it's a miracle in my own home, but it's a miracle that happened and happens all the time in our lives. When you look back at this story unfold with the Good Samaritan, you'd not blame this guy to walk right by this person. It's a Jew, someone who's hurled insults and hate and told you you'll never make it to heaven and you're just cast out of the family and you're no good. But he helped him and he helped him generously. I don't know if you could have room for somebody that you would even consider your enemy, right? But that's the challenge here. The challenge here is that we would break down any wall between us and others so that we could love them. Jesus does that, and he stretches our hearts so that we can love more people. One of the things we value in our leadership process at Open Life is apprenticing, like Obviously, it fits our mission to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. Not only do we want you to just enjoy your life growing more like Christ daily, but we want to challenge you if there's leadership on your life to like fulfill that leadership. So crazy ideas come. We're like, go for it. How can we help? That's just what we're about. It's about you. Your story is our story, right? Well, We believe in apprenticing people to reproduce the church, to grow churches. And one of those apprentices has been Ed and Leslie Owen. Ed's been camping out with us and just kind of learning the the Kool-Aid of open life. Because it's different. We don't do things like a normal church. You have to like reconstruct your brain. And so Ed's been shadowing us and hanging out at our staff meetings and doing all these things for the last year and a half. And uh, so... As his, it was interesting because Ed was with me when we were first considering starting this church eight years ago. We were on this trip to California, and he was just trying to wrap his brain around what in the world we were doing in uh, Bonnie Lake. And so it was fun to see it come full circle and him start to pursue what he senses is a call on his life. And, and so, you know, a couple, uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, Wilkeson, the city of Wilkeson came and said, hey, would you start a church here? And we were like, love it. We just need to find the leader, right? And Ed says he wants to be apprenticed. So I'm thinking, yes, maybe I can get Ed to fall in love with Wilkeson. And so we would drive out there and I'd show him the city. And, you know, they're going to make the sweetest pizza place right here. And the Carlson Block building. And this is going to be awesome. The city needs Jesus. And, and you know what he did? He fell in love with Ording. So I don't know if that's my leadership or God. Anyway, so we still haven't launched anything in Wilkeson. But what we have done is raised up a leader who said, okay, the city in which I'm going to start an open life campus, I I really feel called to do it in Ording. So Ed and Leslie are going to uh, start neighboring and, and getting people on mission with their effort to launch open life Ording. Uh, We don't have a when, where, or what. They're on the mission of figuring that all out right now. They've been present down there trying to figure out what are the needs? Who is the person on the side of the road that's been passed by? What should we be looking at? How could we be providing care and generosity? So it's pretty exciting. I'm excited about it because we want a church in every community here. So when God lets somebody fall in love with a city, and I just see us like, Eight years ago, ultimately, it was in the spring of 2009 that God challenged us to really plant ourselves in this city that we lived and said, hey, you know what? Uh, We need a church here that loves all people. 
And we said yes to that. And now here we are helping them say yes to Jesus for ording. So keep your eyes open. Be listening, be watching, be following, because we're going to help them build a team and get people on mission with that effort and ording. And we're pretty excited about it. And uh, we don't, I don't think we got a selfie picture of Ed, but Ed's the one sitting in the back like really nervous because we just said you're gonna do it so now he's kind of on the line but anyway so that's him pray for him uh so essentially uh uh, we're we're pumped for that and we're pumped for that community that really there's seven thousand plus people right in the city and only four churches so god has a lot of room to do some some cool things down there final question who is my neighbor and we're gonna camp on this for a second And then find a way to wrap this long talk up. Um, You might have suspected it by the graphic and everything that was up there just a second ago. But your neighbor does literally mean the one next door. It's It's that house behind you or over the fence or across the road. Or the one with the dog right next to you that kills little spots in your side yard. Right? That's your neighbor. And... Believe it or not, it might have, you might have felt like it was the only place you could afford to live or rent or whatever your scenario is, but God sees you as one on mission with him to be able to neighbor those around you. Like he wants you to be an incredible neighbor. And you're the right person for the job, whether you think so or not, because maybe you hate your neighbors. I believe God is going to expand your heart this year because he loves your neighbor. Your neighbor, the one with the marriage that's struggling. Yeah, he loves both people in that marriage. He loves the kids. He loves the family. He loves your neighbor. The single mom who just needs a well-deserved time out from her kids. So let them, maybe you let them play at your house so the mom could just get a break or, or have a sleepover. Or maybe she just needs a meal. You get to neighbor well for that person. Shovel snow from a driveway if you live in Tahale because nobody else got snow. I have no idea how that happened. It's bitter. Uh, but so, you know, I don't know how you're going to neighbor, but you can neighbor well. How do you neighbor better this year? Is a question for you. Right? And we're here for a reason. If you just look at yourself as, man, I'm in this place for a reason. This is, I'm on mission by living. And it's exactly how we land at what we're pursuing as a vision for uh, open life as well by asking questions like that. We're like, what does God have for us in this city? Why are we in this city as a church? You know, why, you know, as we pray for the community, as we pray for you, as we read your prayer requests and we pray, we discover things that should allow us to go all in like foster care this last year or, or marriage. Marriage this year is something we said, you know, we've seen a lot of requests for marriage. And what, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go all in at trying to help marriages strengthen. And specifically, we wanted to find some tools for our, our staff, our campus pastors, that could strengthen them to be able to help marriages that were just about ready. Maybe they're beyond the point of calling it quits. They're putting a date on it. We wanted to help and rescue and like help them fight the fight that they're fighting. 
So we did things like in February, we'll have a marriage series. In February, our current campus pastors will be heading down to Texas for a training on how to help marriages in crisis, which will roll out mentoring opportunities after that. If you're passionate about mentoring and marriage and stuff, March on will be awesome. And hopefully by summer or fall, we'll be able to roll out uh, some, some tools for marriages that will prevent future in marriage. It'll strengthen marriages that are doing awesome. It'll save some marriages that are in crisis. Because we just feel like this is our neighbor, our community. We want family and this family unit to be strong. So we're going to go all in with that. We're going to continue as well to pursue the foster care deal passionately. Why? Because if you read the paper on any given in the news, on any given moment, it's talking about the crisis of foster care. The need for foster families, those that would foster, those that would adopt, those that would support and assist foster families, and, and that Pierce County is the third leading county for foster families. Over 1,500 kids will come through the foster system this year. And you know what's amazing? Just through sweet cases alone this year, we'll touch 10% of those kids' lives. Open life, the city, the school district. All because we went all in last year at Easter, but we're going to stay all in in that thing and figure out even more so how can we invest ourselves in this community that has such a great need. And some of you have, have sensed that desire, that call. Okay, we're going to go in. We're going to start to explore and see what it would look like to foster. That's awesome. If even one family in every church in our region said that they were willing to foster, it would make there more homes than there was a need. So it would flip the chart, right? Right now there's more kids than there are homes. What a beautiful day we'll celebrate when there's more homes than there are kids coming into the system. So we're praying about that and continually keeping our ears to the ground, listening. And that's exactly what we see Jesus challenging us to do in this Good Samaritan text. That we would see the need, that we would cross the road and figure out, what do we do about this? Not only do we need to look across the road, we need to look across the globe at our neighbor. world's getting smaller and smaller, right? And we have this opportunity to invest ourselves not only locally, but to the ends of the earth as the Bible challenges us to do. In 2017, we have some things stirring. You know, we're supporting some missionaries and some stuff, but we have some things stirring that we're pretty excited about. In fact, it'd be out of place for me to even tell you about it because it's absolutely crazy. It's pretty insane, actually. And it may not work out because it's so abnormal. But we feel like God's opening doors for us and challenging us to do some things. So this is what we need open life to do. Just pray. Just pray that the doors that are opening would open really wide and that we'd be able to do the crazy things that we do here in our community around the world. And uh, so we're pretty excited about what God is stirring. Things, you know, that could impact us, local school district, our whole community as we engage a global mission and not just local. And so uh, I love what God's doing through open life.
I love what he's going to do in 2017. And we can do it all through this reality of being a neighbor, a local neighbor, a global neighbor. So open life is going to keep loving people. We're going to do it with the same heart Jesus challenged through the Samaritan. We're going to cross the road. We're going to bandage wounds. We're going to show mercy. And we're going to unpack what that really looks like over the course of the year. Slow rolling the reality of being a good neighbor. We'll continue to be an individual resource as well as like a corporate resource to the community. We're going to be better across the street and around the world for it. And we're going to begin working and ordering a new community, which, you know, Ed's been spending time there and Leslie have been spending time there, but uh, even more so watching that come together and just getting behind that call of God on their life. And then we're going to continue to go all in with foster care and now with marriage equipping as well. So we're pretty excited about this year and what this challenge of being a good neighbor is doing in us already I can't wait to see what it does in you. Here's the final question for today. Will you open your heart and mind to becoming a neighbor this year? And I like giving away all the information. I'm an open book. So here's my secret wish. By the end of this year, my prayer for open life is that we can pray for every one of our neighbors by name and need. Why? Because you can't help but just love and serve and connect with and have a longing like 1 Thessalonians 2.8 challenges us to have. Loving people so much that you're delighted to share your life and the gospel with. When you pray for them, when you pray for their needs, it changes your heart for them. It changes your perspective. So I'm going to pray that over you. And uh, I, I'm going to pray for... Ording. I'm going to pray for a couple things in closing us today. We're going to go back and eat some sweet cupcakes. It's going to be awesome. Um, but I'm pretty excited about 2017. God, I thank you that you have put challenges on us like being a good neighbor. And go imagine that like clear back when you taught that 2,000 years ago, you still literally mean for us to be a good neighbor to be the neighbor that would walk across the road, that would take the initiative and bandage the wounds, whatever those look like, marriages, childcare, fostering, food, school supplies, shelter, homelessness care, so many things you stir in us to engage in the community, to be a resource, gifts at Christmas. I pray that God, you'll continue to allow our passion to just rise through the ceiling like crazy just go crazy and that God you will give us the capacity just for those who are staring at this challenge going how could I have another name in my head I have no margin increase their capacity to love today God we pray for the city of Ording we pray for the thousands of people there that do not know you. They do not have a growing relationship with you. And, and they might even be believing misconceptions of those who follow Jesus. I pray right now that you will help Ed and Leslie pursue this vision for Ording, this passion they have to, as they move down there and begin to neighbor.
touch the lives of those near them. And as they recruit team to come and, and invest in different neighborhoods in that community, God, allow that city to be impacted the same way Bonnie Lake and Sumner are being moved through the mission and vision of Open Life, which is just your mission and vision to love people. I pray that God, you'll open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts this year to be a neighboring church, to be neighboring individuals that will transform relationships around us. Thank you, God, for 2017. Thank you for everybody that made it today. In Jesus' name, amen.